The Protectors of the Wood episode series. Episode number 35, Mysteries Continue. Abby mulled over different situations as she ate a late lunch and then stared at the ceiling. She was thinking, I wish I knew what happened to Rose. The mystery seemed just out of Abby's reach. There were only a few options, and some of them were bad. First of all, Abby didn't believe that Rose was sick. She hadn't acted sick. She had acted strange, even threatening, in a cold and unemotional way. She was like a different person. And Abby was sure that Rob was just not buying into whatever the problem was. The voice in her mind asked, Could it be that Rose is the one who was threatened? But how? Abby didn't believe Rose's remark about, I'm not retiring. Of course she wasn't retiring. Abby was only working mornings and had no prospect of an administrative job and had refused a full-time job. And already there was more work than Rose, Abby, and Rob could do comfortably. Tom Winkle was not looking for a job. He was a grandfather fulfilling his role as a benevolent community member and advising his son on the farm. Perhaps something different is threatening Rose. Abby recalled her mother's words about Rose being her second cousin or something. Rose's grandmother worked for the Georgie family. She was, hmm, let's see, the nanny for, oh, Wendy and Chi Chi's mother. Oh my God, and my great grandmother was the house manager. And they were sisters. Did they die in the tragedy? I don't even know. But one thing's for sure, Rose knows about this and isn't mentioning it. But what could be threatening about it? I must speak to Wendy. Why didn't I ask her before? Hmm, perhaps I can find Chi-Chi. Abby continued to obsess about this mystery as the evening shadows crossed the churchyard. A fear of walking to the garden center came over her. She desperately wanted a clean getaway on the following day and had become fanatically cautious. Even if Chi-Chi knew something, was it important for Abby to know about it now? Probably not. Talking to Chi-Chi could be postponed. There was time for a final watering of everything. The churchyard would be dry for the next four days. Monday evening would be Abby's next chance to give the plants any water. The drought seemed likely to continue indefinitely. Friday morning went much like the previous two days. But just before lunch, there was an incident that left Abby feeling she'd made a terrible mistake. Rose was absent again and Tom Winkle continued to play a prominent role. The group began the day by admiring their new creation. The play city, now with gardens and a forest in the bright sunlight, seemed even more beautiful and fascinating than the day before. 
the characters began to come alive. Tension arose over the ownership of the treasure in the forest. The children had disagreements over what the treasure actually was and what it was good for. After an hour of intense dialogue between many characters, the children agreed that the crystal ball in the wizard's hand, the glass ball in the chest, and even the various multicolored jewels all could work magic. Yet what this magic consisted of remained a secret. Finally, the dragon and the wizard were confronted by various invaders who denied any wish to steal the treasure, but felt that they had a right to know what it was and what it could do. The nature of magic drew everyone's attention, but the dragon, Franklin had taken on this role, was totally unwilling to let anyone near the treasure and maintained that he had no idea what it could do, but it was his job to keep intruders away. The wizard, played by Lucy, said she knew what the magic was, but it was too dangerous for ordinary people. This idea was unacceptable to the rest of the group who crowded into the forest. The good fairy, played by Tiny, had to intervene from the sky to stop the conflict and negotiate a compromise. Everyone would be allowed one look at the treasure, but no clue was offered concerning the nature of magic. This problem was still being debated when Kayla discovered a long worm escaping from the soil around the potted maple tree. All attention shifted to this remarkable earthworm, which stretched itself out four or five inches long and moved out of the forest toward the city. Kayla stood up in shock, wondering what to do. Stop! Stop it! Stop! Abby prevented Franklin from grabbing the intruder and declared that earthworms have a much lower temperature than humans who are hot, almost 99 degrees. The touch of a human is burning to an earthworm. She laid down a piece of paper, and when the worm had crawled onto it, she transferred it to a glass jar offered by Rob. Tom led a discussion about soil animals. Eventually, the group decided to return the worm to its home back in the maple tree area. After the short hike, they released the worm into the loose soil where a baby maple tree had been the day before. The group was satisfied. But as the worm gratefully disappeared into the cool underground, Kayla stood up in alarm. Where is it going? How can anything live under there? Isn't it a bad place? Tom answered in a calm voice. No, it's a good place for roots and soil animals. All plants and trees send roots into the soil. Kayla looked doubtful, but did not reply. Rob suggested they head back for lunch. On the way, a discussion arose over what worms do, what they eat, and why they are good for the soil. 
as they approached the house, Abby asked them to take a look at the three compost bins. Rob explained that they put their leftover or spoiled food in the first bin and showed them the corn husks and leftover beans from the night before. Abby opened the second bin and poked around with a stick, pointing out the worms and roly-polies and centipedes. Kayla was tall enough to see without help and was fascinated, not so much by the worms as by the disintegration of what had formerly been food. She couldn't believe that the materials in the first bin would actually transform into the decomposing materials in the second bin. And then Abby showed her the third bin. Kayla was absolutely stunned to see the dark soil with almost no trace of the former vegetables, weeds, leaves, apple cores, and potato skins. It's like magic. How could this happen? Abby explained that part of the Earth's magic is to turn plant and animal material back into soil, which then becomes full of nutrition for new life to grow. Kayla could hardly believe her eyes. The children wanted to see and ask questions. Do worms themselves turn back into soil? Squirrels? Abby spoke up. Yeah, all plants and animals turn back into soil. Kayla, still staring in shock, turned to Abby. But, but what about people? Abby realized that she'd gotten in way over her head and looked to Rob and Tom Winkle for help. Rob drew his finger across his throat to silently tell Abby to shut up. Tom shrugged with a bewildered look. The children were all staring silently at Abby, waiting for a reply. Oh, I've got to say something. They'll be even more scared if I don't answer the question. Can I tell them that the nature of the human soul has been a running debate among humans since the dawn of time? Well, let's be honest about bodies first. Abby turned to Kayla. You know, Kayla, in some ways, humans are related to animals. Kayla drew herself up as tall as she could stand. She announced, I, I am not an animal! I'm not saying you are. Abby struggled to keep her voice calm. I'm just saying we're all related. Ra broke into the conversation. I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but we barely have time for lunch before the parents and the afternoon group will be arriving. In a few minutes, everyone was eating sandwiches and seemed to have forgotten the major issue they had just been discussing. Kayla gave Abby a few thoughtful looks, but didn't raise the subject again. The parents appeared to pick up and drop off children. Rob took a few minutes on the side with Kayla's mother, and Abby was sure he was explaining the discussion of composting bodies. Abby told herself, Oh my gosh. I've been such a fool. They're too young. I really don't know what I'm doing, 
Why can't I just shut up? As Abby prepared to leave, Tom approached her. Don't take it so hard. Children see squirrels decomposing on the road. They see their grandparents buried. And as for the human soul, you were right to leave that to the parents and their family beliefs. Don't blame yourself. Touchy subjects are part of life. She thanked him with deep emotion, but couldn't rid herself of the feeling that she had made a mistake and had no way to correct it. She was thinking, After all, death and decomposition are a problem for people at any age. <sighs> but why did I have to be the one to raise the issue? I'm so sorry, Kayla. Oh, if Rose were here, I'd probably be fired on the spot. Back at the churchyard gate, Abby found Officer Harley chatting with a woman. She must have been in her early 60s with white hair, loose skin under her chin, and a formal wool skirt and jacket that seemed meant for a cooler day and a previous decade. No one else was even nearby. Abby knew that Sule, Phoebe, and Nico would be having lunch with Zoe. So she hadn't expected them. But what happened to everybody else? Well, I'm glad to see a quiet day. Yes, at last. May we have many more. Abby was about to walk through the gate when Officer Harley said, Abby, I'd like to introduce you to Mary Robinson. We go way back. Abby turned and shook her outstretched hand. She's a real old school reporter. Nothing at all like that pack of wolves we've seen the last few days. Now, now, I'm sure they're not that bad. Mary Robinson raised her index finger as if teaching a lesson. Some of those people are my friends, but I admit that I've been hoping to avoid the crowd. She turned to Abby. What if my friends told me you were taking business cards the last couple of days, and I don't want to miss out? I write about politics for the Felsberg Star. I know we're not from the Valley, but Felsberg is still the state capital. I'm happy to take your card, but why are you interested? I cover the governor and the wheeling and dealing in state government, and I like to understand things. I like to know what I'm talking about, but I've been making no progress on the Rivergate issue. Why is the governor trying to empty a perfectly decent small town? I accepted an invitation to visit last Monday. I'd read the Sonny Walker interview in the Evansville record, and a red light went on in my mind. I'm missing something here. So I went and talked to Sonny Walker myself. I saw that he was telling the truth about Rivergate. They actually have adjusted to losing the bridge. There's no emergency that I can see, but Sonny pretends to have no idea about the governor's motivations. He actually claimed that the governor is just ill-informed. I'm not taken in by that nonsense, and I'm sure Sonny isn't either. I'm supposed to come up with an article on this subject, but no one will tell me the truth. Abby looked at Mary Robinson and replied, 
Why do you think I would know anything about it? She was thinking... I've talked too much for one day. I'm not getting into it now. Abby, let me thank you for your patience. I know people bother you day after day, sometimes in truly frightening ways. But I must tell you, young lady, I do my homework. I know you know things that I need to know. I respect you. Indeed, I do. So I assume you're doing your best, doing the right thing in awful circumstances. So let me give you my card. If you ever want to talk to me, I'll drive here in a couple of hours. I still get around. And please hear me when I say that I know things that you need to know. The woman raised her index finger again, looking at Abby with fierce blue eyes for emphasis. I would tell you these things straight out because I like you, but I have a job to do, so I'll trade. Abby was still unwilling to promise anything. I appreciate your offer. I'll think about it. Of course. You have to do your homework to have any trust in me. And you'll also have to realize that you truly need information. I have that information. Abby didn't know what to say and was thinking, I might have that information already, but I'm not sure. Can I risk not talking to her? Thank you for listening, my dear. Don't lose that card. One of these days you'll need it. Bye now. Thanks for your time. And Mary walks slowly to a nearby old Jeep. I can't believe she has a car like that. Abby was bewildered. Yep, she likes to get around in the snow or rain. She was here in the church when the hailstorm hit. You have to take Mary Robinson seriously. She's helped get people elected and helped put people in jail. We go way back. I just want to thank you for all your help. Abby realized that she had underestimated Officer Harley. And please, this world looks very big and confusing to me. If you ever see that I'm making a mistake, let me know. Oh, I'll do that. You're a nice kid with a lot on your shoulders. You've had no reason to visit our station, but I'm sure you know we're just down Main Street near Grove Avenue next to the bank. The chief is always complaining that nobody ever tells him anything. Please stop by. You'll be doing yourself a favor. Abby thanked him and walked her bike across the lawn to the cottage. Thank you for listening. Episode number 36 is coming soon. To hear all the episodes, please visit our website at www.protectorsofthewood.com. For Facebook and Instagram, please visit us at Protectors of the Wood Book Series.
Looks like I'm on my own No one to light on my way I hear the wind howl and the water rage Will it ever be break of day, they say all these rivers are flowing Don't be afraid, you must go where they're going In the night like a wandering star You must travel far We're all lost in a crazy world and bound for danger I say hear the wind howl and the water rage there must be rocks ahead I said all these rivers are flowing travel far Some are wise friends, wise and true But no one can see the end Our best dreams are thrown on the wind I know we're following them We sing All these rivers are flowing Don't be afraid, you must go where they're going In the night like a wandering star You must travel far You must travel far must travel far